Mechacosa Tone Monologue. Uh, on this hundredth episode of this little podcast here, I'll be covering the Babylon 5 Season 5 episode uh, in the Kingdom of the Blind. But first, I want to say thank you guys for listening. Uh, you know, I, I went a big tirade back on the 50th. Uh, talking about what this podcast meant for me and uh, all the problems that uh, sort of led to me creating this, that it was a uh, prompt by my therapist uh, to let me speak more clearly, be uh, sort of speak my mind because uh, I'm not very comfortable in public with people. Uh, and it, it's just been fun. Um, certainly it's a lot of work at times. There's times especially that I don't feel like recording, but you know what? I still managed to do it. The only times I never did were, uh, I took two hiatuses, uh, back in October of 2020, all the way to, uh, early January of 2021, I took a break. Uh, that was due to mental health reasons, sadly. Um, I had lost someone very dear to me. Uh, and that was affecting my work ethic and I didn't want it to, but it did. And then in late January, 2021 to late February, 2021, I came down with COVID. So I was recovering from that. And I doubt you wanted a very raspy coffee episode. Uh, so I elected to go on another hiatus. So there was two hiatuses and I greatly apologize for that. Uh, but it's been fun the past, what? Two, two some odd years that I've been doing this now since 2019, uh, very early 2019, to uh, talk about B5. Uh, it's my favorite TV show of all time. It's just a lot of fun to talk about. Uh, and I'm glad people, you know, listen. Wh whoever you are out there, please send me an email. T tell me ways I can improve, things you would like to see uh leave a review if you want i don't i don't much mind i just like uh hearing from people i have a retrospective series i do on the witcher of claudia who was back one of the very very first episodes i think episode eight where she did the interview with me about my comic uh i do a retrospective series with her on the witcher which is taking far longer than we anticipated due to life reasons but i heard from someone who was uh reading that not too long ago and uh, you know i was just putting it out there just because i thought it would be cool and i like the witcher uh and hearing from them really uh touched my heart in a way because i didn't actually think anybody was you know reading it of course here i see the numbers so i know people are listening to it but it's it's different you know um in a in a written context i can be much more edited I keep you much more concise. I'm probably far more intelligent seeming in written form than I actually am because I have the time uh, to really edit myself down and make myself sound mature. Here, you're getting an unfiltered Kyle, like Kyle who is, uh, you know, prone to tangents, prone to umming and awing, to finding his word choice and sometimes struggling with that. Um, so it's a bit more personal. So, um, if you have the time, please tell me what you enjoy, what you think could be improved, what you would like to see in the future, if you're so inclined. 
Um, I will say that the plan after B5, because we are in Season 5 and we are nearing the end, we should be done by about mid-November, assuming no, uh, you know, unforeseen hiatuses, um, with uh, Babylon 5. My plan is to, uh, because The Witcher is such an important uh, piece of fiction for me, it's one of my favorite book series, um... I want to cover it again, and I want to cover it in a way that I haven't covered it before. Um, so I'm going to cover it like I did B5, but first I'm going to start with the short stories. Um, and uh, the reason for uh, only doing the short stories as of now is that that will cover a great length of episodes, because I'm also going to be doing... Uh, one of the short stories that was never officially translated to English, but you can find fan translations, uh, The Road With No Return, uh, as I find that that adds to uh, something more when we when we get to it, uh, because it follows Vizina, but that's, that's off topic. Um, but basically, uh, I'm not sure how I want to cover the book. I have read this series so many times I know it backwards and forwards but I'm debating because there's a lot of things I want to talk about when it comes to this series whether I want to cover a chapter at a time or a whole book at a time you know uh covering the main saga including season of storms in there uh you know would only be six episodes plus the short stories would each have their own individual episode um so, like, it, it wouldn't be a whole lot of content, and it would be a whole lot of uh, me rambling about certain things, and, and some of the more minor details of things would have to be skipped over in favor of some of the larger details. I noticed that when it came to the retrospectives, because we were doing one book at a time, is that sometimes the smaller stuff that I wanted to talk about got skipped over for the larger events. Um, so I thought about doing chapter by chapter. Um, which I think would be interesting, but there's also the case of there's very little content. Um, and it, it would be similar to the way I was doing B5, you know, B5, a novel for television, you know, each episode is effectively a chapter. Uh, but, uh, I'm not sure how exactly I want to go about that. If I want to do like a full book per episode or a chapter per episode, let me know. Um, I may not even cover the books. I, I, I right now I may I really want to. Uh, this is something I love talking about. The Witcher is very very important to me. Um, but I'm not sure if it'd be interesting for anybody else. Um, so for now we're going to cover the short stories, which gives me time, because uh, that will fill enough episodes to really think and uh, divvy out the pros and cons of the chapter or whole book format and figure out which I want to do. Uh, if you have a pre preference, please let me know by all means. Um, and also to aid to the idea that I want to do this a little bit differently, I'm going to be having a guest on for some of the short stories, not all of them, uh, as he certainly doesn't have that kind of time, uh, but uh, at least some of them. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Joshua Rapier, uh, he's, uh, he was an old member of my old comic book society that I ran when I was in university many years back. Uh, and he's always been a good friend, and he watched the Netflix show uh, out of pure 
interest because I would never stop talking about The Witcher as long as he knew me because he knew me around the time I had discovered The Witcher. Uh, and so it was brand new to me, so I just wouldn't shut up about it. Uh, and uh, he enjoyed the Netflix show. I have many, many grievances with that show. I try and enjoy it for what it is. It has its moments. Uh, but as a book reader and someone who cares a great deal about these characters, I think the Netflix show was a very, very lesser version of this story. Uh, and so I think sort of copying from the witch perspective that I did an article for McClaudia, and it's still technically going on, we're technically in the games now, so um, we're way past the books at this point. Uh... She had never experienced The Witcher before. She only knew it through pop culture osmosis. Uh, and her going through it, compared to me, a serious veteran, was a unique experience. What I want to do now uh, is detail my uh, love of the series. Not only just my love of the series, but what I find interesting about it, the cons of it, because it's not perfect, it's got flaws... Um, but also to occasionally check in with Josh, uh, and see how he is receptive to the books. Someone coming from the TV show, because the TV show changed a lot of things, both character-wise, lore-wise, story-wise, etc. Uh, and so his experience is going to inherently be different than someone like me, a serious veteran. Uh, and I find that to be fascinating the the different things that me and claudia picked up on going through the series was fascinating um because of our different experience levels and our different attachment to the series so i think the same will be with me and josh uh so we haven't worked out all the short stories that he's going to be uh coming on to uh talk to me about uh he's currently working his way through the short stories uh as i am recording this uh and he's making basically making a list of ones that he has the most to talk about and those will be the ones that will uh be the ones that feature him um that you know that's a ways down the line that's that's in november assuming no emergencies or hiatuses or any skipped weeks due to personal reasons so uh you know that is you know far away but i just want to let everybody know that, that is the plan for the coming future um and like i said please let me know what your what your preference is do you want to have the witcher saga covered book by book or chapter by chapter or would you just prefer me after the short stories not to do the witcher saga yet and cover something else or let me know things i can improve on this podcast etc etc uh i just like hearing from people and uh knowing that what i say has some impact at all you know, anyway, uh, I just want to say thank you for sticking out with me through 100 episodes. Like, that's that's a serious commitment. Uh, and it was a serious commitment for me to make this, you know, for the two years that I've done it. I wasn't expecting to make it this far, but I have. Uh, and thank you for sticking with me and dealing with my rambling nonsense about my favorite TV show of all time. And speaking of that TV show, let's get to it. Uh, so, in the Kingdom of the Blind, we sort of got an A-plot, B-plot situation here, and that's furthering uh, several plot arcs. Uh, 
uh, that are going to be important to later. Uh, you have the the Byron and the Telepath stuff, and then the Londo and the Shakar on Centauri Prime stuff. The Byron stuff, uh, ever since he found out about the Vorlon stuff, that the Vorlons manu basically manufactured Telepaths, and uh, they were nothing but tools and weapons to be used and dispensed of, um, he has become a bit more radical, not insanely radical, but his words are now less about... Uh, sort of uh, instilling, you know, some sort of fervor in people to uh, live apart and alone from the mundanes, but sort of insightful. And he, I don't think he realizes just how uh, counterintuitive this is to his point. He wants to be pacifist. He wants to go about this in peaceful protesting, uh, which is understandable. But the way he's talking about things and his own inherent prejudices are causing more radicalization. As we see, there's an entire schism within his cult. Uh, and now there's a violent group of telepaths that are out there very, very angrily who want to take it out on the mundanes for all the wrong shit that has been done to them. And of course, this is the problem with tribal mentality is that you have a group of people who have a common grievance who want to go solving that grievance, go about solving that grievance in different ways. But from the outside perspective, they all look the same. You know, the, you know they're, the, what, what is the common denominator between these two groups? They're all telepaths, okay? Therefore, the, 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 the issues presented by one, whether that be violent means or otherwise, is also attributed to the other side. So while Byron is trying to peacefully protest, you have the other side, the more violent telepaths, who are getting more aggressive as time goes on, and that's going to lead to some severe crackdowns on all telepaths. And this is the light hitting the powder. This is the powder keg about to explode. This is going to go down, and it's going to go down hard. And I find it interesting that the way Byron talks... Uh, not only is he trying to sort of stir up some religious fervor and uh, in, in sort of radicalization, but he's also shifting the blame. The Vorlons created us. There is no one to blame now because the Vorlons are gone. Therefore, the legacy of them remains and we must hold their legacy accountable. That's the problem there, is they assume that all the other races are the legacy of the Vorlons. The Vorlons you know, uh, and the shadows manipulated the other races. But the real legacies of the Vorlons and the Shadows are the Drak, which feature in the London Car side, and the Telepaths. They are the legacies. They are the things left over uh, that continue that to fester. Uh, it, you know, it's a, it's a malignant cancer. It's just going to stay there. Uh, and it keeps growing uh, and they want to shift the blame to it's the ISA's problem. The ISA's problem has nothing to do with them. They want to help them as much as they can uh, and it's certainly a worthy cause. The, the telepaths deserve to live a free life away from the Psychor. 
uh, they that that is exactly what they deserve. But Byron is going about it incredibly the wrong way by shifting blame, outright blackmailing. At this point, you know he blackmails his way through Garibaldi to get into the ISA meeting to then talk to the entire ISA and say, "Oh, by the way, we have been scanning your people. We have information. We have your secrets. Give us a planet now, or face the consequences." In effect. He has officially, officially declared that all telepaths are bad because of his actions. He has doomed his own cause. Ironically and sadly, his cause is just and right. But the problem is the way he goes about it. He, he basically perpetuated the fear of everybody uh, that they have a telepath. Everybody fears that the privacy is nothing around telepaths, that uh, you can never tell a telepath from a normal. They're just ordinary people, but they could be scanning you the entire time and stealing your most private thoughts. Um, there is no safety net around that. And that's the problem, is he has, by using that fear to get across his own point, he has perpetuated the cycle that continues the prejudice and fear and hatred of telepaths. An ironic uh, and s tragic twist of fate, he has effectively become the poster child for why telepaths can't be trusted. Um, it's a very sad reality that we live in a world, in a society, that and this B5 you know, fictional world may be different, but it's not too different that we still live in a world that relies on prejudice, that relies on fear, that these systems and these cultures built on these two principles form tribes, form teams. It's the green versus purple thing. Uh, and over time, lies and truths are spread equally to the point that the differences between them become non-existent. And we begin to believe it. And we begin to see the other side not just as different people, but as our opposition, our enemy, to be destroyed. And that's what prejudice and fear breeds. Byron has a point. Byron has a cause. And he is worthy of that cause. Whether he's going about it the right way, is another question. As Sheridan himself, he, he basically has to bite his own words when he's like, he, he, what he's doing is right, but he's doing it the inconvenient way, which is the ironic thing because, you know, Sheridan did that, all of that last season. Um, but it also shows the hard truth of that law and morality and politics rarely, if ever, align. And where do you decide one takes precedence over the other? Who can decide that? Who should have the power to decide that? And it's all about overcoming your own prejudices to become better. But you, but the inherent systems, the inherent uh, fear that is propagated and perpetuated through the system means ultimately that it will never end. Uh, and that's what we see conversely uh, in the Laundry Leisure Carpet on uh, Centauric Prime. You have uh, Laundry Leisure Carpet showing up 
uh, Londo is uh, dealing with the fact that uh, there have been quote-unquote raider attacks uh, on various shipping lines in the ISA. We know the audience, we know that it is the Centauri um, because we see it in one of the ships get attacked uh, and then uh, we see that it was a Centauri warship. Uh, and we know that there's some weird stuff going on in Centauri Prime, and there's people vying for the throne. The regent is sick, uh, and uh, the actor plays it phenomenally. He's not traditionally sick. He is, he's got a keeper, and well, we know what the keepers can do. And uh, he, you know, uh, Regent Verini was already a bit of a nutso. Uh, he was already questionably insane long before and then, but this just really hit the nail on the coffin that he is trying so desperately to fight against the Keeper that it is straining him so far, and he just doesn't have the willpower to continue. Like when he kills uh, the, the one guy, you know, the other Centauri, he's like, you know, I knew you since you were a kid, I wouldn't do this if I had a choice. Uh, and as Londo sort of finds more about the conspiracy going on, he gets attacked, and this this attack is ultimately it's a it's to be expected. He was already getting you know uh, there was already an assassination attempt not too long ago with him, uh, and it's it's only natural at this point really that. Uh, because the regent seems like he's going to be, you know, knocking on death's door pretty soon, the emperor spot is now open, will be open. And the prime minister, Londo, is the next logical candidate. But some people don't want him in power. Some people want that power for themselves. They're perpetuating the cycle that the Centauri have been stuck in for years, hundreds of years at this point. Uh, and there's a third party in there somewhere that doesn't want Londo hurt, that wants Londo, uh, for, uh, their own purposes. And we know this to be the Drock, who have a much better appearance. We find out that, uh, the, the little skull head thing was just a costume, sort of a mask environment suit, if you will, that they wear. And we see that they look different underneath that. Um, which was cool because... I never really liked the skull design, personally. It's not bad, it's just meh. Uh, and Drakkar best represents the systems and the the culture of prejudice and fear breaking away. He is Londo's bodyguard. And we see how the very Centauri react, both for good and for ill. Some take a liking to him, such as that one woman. Some see him as an animal that needs to be, you know, put away. Some see him as a pet. Uh, you know, this is the reality of the situation. And they expect him to act in the traditional way of a Narn. Action first, words later. That's not who Jakarta is. At least not anymore. He was like that very long ago, back in season one, but he ain't that way anymore. And he's presented with the Imperial Guard who whipped him. And he says, you can, you can do anything without repercussion. What do you do? He takes the whip, he thinks about it, throws the whip down. Says, nope, I'm not going to do it. That is him rejecting 
the systems and the culture of prejudice and fear rejecting the cycles of violence and saying no the will stops here you know there's only so many times you can pass the buck before the buck just has to stop the buck stops with me it used to be a sign that that rested on the uh president of the united states uh desk and the point of that is that we must take responsibility and accountability for the actions that we have done that have perpetuated a cycle that continues over and over and over and we must cast down those chains that are holding us to that cycle and say no in in actuality this man did not whip Drakkar. yes he physically whipped him but he did it in the orders of Cartesia Cartesia was a mad emperor the the uh, if he had refused the repercussions would have been lethal no doubt so at the end of the day is it the hand or the heart you blame blame the heart because the heart is the one with the true intentions the hand merely does what it's told and Cartesia is long dead and as far as Shakar is concerned we can bury that hatchet now we're done what has happened between the Narn and the Centauri is horrible it's a fate that nobody should endure but at the end of the day we must accept that the past is the past and choose to break the cycle and move forward in a more progressive way than uh, was you know previously thought possible ultimately this episode is about the past catching up on you and the legacies that that, that sort of follow you around the legacies of violence or the legacies of abuse uh, the Narn and the Centauri, the Telepast, the Vorlons and the Shadows, uh, and how past decisions reverberate into the future and perpetuate a system that does not work. But we, the foolish, foolish people we are, perpetuate it because it's the only thing we know. Um, this is a very, very good episode. It's not the best. Um, uh, I certainly would have preferred a more, uh, introspective, better episode for my hundredth episode, but you know what? Uh, that's coming up. We get that very soon. Uh, this is mainly a setup episode for a lot of things to come. And of course the telepath situation is ramping up. We got the, you know, uh, the, the by run section has officially, you know, closed themselves in down below. Uh, and it's open hunting season on all telepaths. There's a, there's a, the, the violent telepaths are out in force. The conspiracy around Centauri Prime is getting more dangerous. Londo feels a threat uh and uh the isa is having problems with quote-unquote raider attacks that we know to be much more heinous than that this is all set up for what is going to happen and that's what is, is impressive ultimately about b5 as a whole is i've never seen a show devote an entire season to denouement to simply epilogue to showing how things both change and didn't change from the hardships of the past uh, and that's why I love B5, is that it takes risks. Sometimes those risks don't pay off. Some people don't like B5, uh, and some people don't even like Season 5. I think Season 5 has the wrong reputation. Uh, as I've pointed out, it's got problems. It certainly does. But at the end of the day, what Jameis was trying to do was actually very, very interesting. 
but anyway, I shall see you next time. And thanks again for 100 episodes. Till then, bye.